It is August 12th, 2009. Welcome to the 15th episode of, um, what's the name of the show again, Michael? Hmm. Digital Photography Life. Digital Photography Life, in which we are going to tell you about some of the latest and greatest new cameras and software coming out and apologize profusely for having been absent from class for the past couple of months. But first, the theme music. Now, you could tell from that opening we were a little out of practice, right? <laughs> you want to do it again? No, no, no. That, no, that, that's it. It is. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, Michael. <laughs> Welcome back, Scott. It's nice to be doing this again with you. It's, uh, it's been a while. It has been a while. If we have time at the end of the show, after we get through all of the digital photography goodness we have for you, um, we will tell you a little bit about where we've been, why the show's been on hiatus for the past three months. We actually did do an episode, but it was so bad that we decided not to release it. Um, but we're, we're going to try to get back on track. So thanks to everybody who is still around, Michael, and thank you for uh, being around. Thank you for being around as well, and uh, hope some of you are still listening. And we hope to get this out on a more regular schedule. Thank you to Smug Mug, who was nice enough to have been in touch with us during our hiatus, um, expressing their support for us and for the show and their love for our audience. Remember, they still have a 50% discount off the first year of service if you are interested in the best photo sharing and display and even selling front end on the web. Check them out at smugmug.com. But first, go to scottsphotoblog.com, where in the show notes there will be a code for a coupon for 50% off your first year. Also, um, it will let you know how to get a free camera strap for your DSLR. We had a bunch of listeners who have taken advantage of that deal, and they really enjoyed the camera strap. Do you want to tell everybody where to find us, Michael? Sure. If you want to write to us, you can write us at digitalphotographylife at gmail.com. You can find the show at uh, personallifemedia.com. Actually, it's photography.personallifemedia.com. And you can also tweet us or follow us on Twitter, although we haven't been doing much of that lately, um, at twitter.com slash dplife. And then, of course, there was your blog as well, which you mentioned. Scottsphotoblog.com. And today we're going to talk about Michael and I have both got new cameras since we last spoke with you. We'll tell you about them. We'll talk about some new cameras that we don't have because they're just coming out from Nikon that look very sweet with an emphasis well, not not really, but with, with, we're actually going to do a lot of uh, point-and-shoot talking because we both got point-and-shoots. Nikon has some new point-and-shoots coming out with interesting technology that we haven't seen before. And then some of their uh, sweet DSLRs that, that are brand spanking new, right? And Sony has some new stuff coming out as well, which is pretty interesting. So this is going to be our consumer lust, another consumer lust episode of Digital Photography Live. So what did you buy? Well, you, you were going on vacation and uh, for those of you who don't remember or haven't heard the show before, both Michael and I are primarily DSLR users, but you wanted something a little bit lighter and sportier for your vacation, right? Yeah, I went to uh, Disney World with the family for just about five days, and uh, I wanted something different. I wanted something that was uh, – I wanted one of those waterproof cameras 
one of those cameras that was everything proof, totally kid proof. And I wanted to be able to go on those wet rides and just, and uh, not worry about the camera at all. And I also didn't really feel like bringing the DSLR down to Disney World because I'm like, what, what kind of fine art shots am I going to get at Disney World? You know, everything there is pretty much fake. And, uh, you know, it isn't like any, I'm going to capture anything. You know, obviously I can take photos of the kids, but it's a lot to schlep around when it's 90 degrees outside. Well, that's it. I mean, it's the so, heaviness that's, that kills you. Yeah, so I bought myself an Olympus Tough 6000, which is just a simple 10-megapixel point-and-shoot camera. It's, it's really in the middle of the road of the spectrum of these types of cameras. Um, I was going to go a little nicer and get the Nikon, uh, not Nikon, the Canon, I think it's called the D10. Okay. I think it's D10. I don't know if it's D10, um, but okay. 10D or no, not 10, no it's D10 because 10D is the other one. Uh, the D10 is a, their waterproof camera which uh, has got some very nice ratings in the optical section and performance section. Um, but it's just a little big, mm-hmm. and, it's got a funny sh- and it's got a funny shape to it, but it's got a nice carrying system. Um, but I didn't get that one because I didn't have enough time because I wasn't a very good planner. Yeah, I'm looking at that now. The PowerShot D10, it's a sort of a ruggedized camera, right? It's kind of a tough-looking camera that looks like you could bring it mountain biking or any yeah. kind of extreme activity. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole new breed of these cameras where they're freeze-proof, they're waterproof, they're shock-proof, you know, and they don't have lenses that extend. They have folded optics, so the lenses okay. don't pop out. So, it, some of so them, it's an optical zoom, but the lens doesn't extrude from the body? Yeah, they okay. usually have like a three or four times zoom, but yeah, there's no, there are no moving parts that you see on the outside of okay. the body. Uh, this camera that I have uh, has a little cover that goes over the, the lens. Mm-hmm. So when you turn it on, the cover right. just sort of slides into itself. It's like a pocket door. Um, the, the, but some of the other cameras do not have a, um, a cover at all, and they just have a special crystal coating. The D10 looks like a toy. looks like a kid's camera. Well, it, it behaves very much like all the other ELF cameras right. is what my understanding, which is pretty good. Yeah. It's got four and, and a half I mean, stars from the Canon users. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that I really just wanted – I was really wanted the image quality. Right. That was important to me, and it had very it was very high rated image quality. What it didn't have was uh, the HD video, okay. which some of the other new ones have. Uh, I believe the Pentax W80 has high def video as well as the Panasonic TS1, I think it's called. Okay, and uh, so those were high on my list, but they were both kind of expensive, and well, actually not that expensive, but they were. Anyway, I just didn't plan very well, and I didn't get it. I got the middle-of-the-road $250 camera. So you got a $250 camera. Water, what, the Olympus what? It's called the Tough 6000. The Tough 6000. How do you like it? Eh. <laughs> it's meh. <laughs> eh. You know, it's like uh, it, it, it does the waterproof part great, and uh, it was really nice not worrying about it. And, uh, you know, I'm not someone to really take care of my camera. A little point-and-shoot. I use them. Um so the image quality was eh. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I'm, I think maybe it's just because I'm demanding. So the image quality wasn't great. How was the uh, feel of the camera? Did it feel sloggy? Was it responsive? The focus yeah, time? Yeah, it was a little slow in the focus time. And it uh, and even though it has image stabilization, of course, that only helps so far. Right. Um, but it, the high ISO performance wasn't particularly great. Um it was just, you know, it was what my, my photos look like point and shoot photos. Mm-hmm. 
That's what they look like. Mm-hmm. And so, you know. But, you know, it got some nice little videos and, you know, it was it was handy. And I didn't, and I really enjoyed not carrying a big rugged camera with me. But you have a little buyer's remorse. Well, yeah, I might have opted to go with one of the higher level cameras. The, uh, the Panasonic seems like it was really great and the Canon seems like it was great. Well, I bought a Panasonic, a point and shoot too, um, for my partner. We, I want, I, I, he's not technologically inclined at all. So a DSLR mm-hmm. out of the question for him, um, needed something pocketable that he could use. He does a lot of events for work and he wanted things. He could take pictures, um, you know, in homes. So you wanted something with a fairly wide angle lens, which isn't typical. Did a lot of research, picked this, uh, Panasonic Lumix TZ five S another one of these great names that are so memorable from these <laughs> branding companies. Uh, funny, because in some ways, like I can really relate to you. I felt like the overall operation of the camera was a little sluggish for me. You know, I noticed the shutter lag, although it wasn't terrible. It, it There was a little lag. Sometimes it would hunt for the focusing more than I'm used to. I wasn't really in a place, though, where I could... I haven't used enough point and shoots where I could say if that's fair to judge it though because I'm so used to the DSLR where everything feels so instantaneous that I'm not sure if I'm being unfairly critical although my experience of the camera was pretty much in line with the reviews which were good not great the camera was cheap though it was about $220 it shoots high D video 720p it has a function that if you're looking for a little point and shoot that shoots video, especially high def, you want to look out for this. Most of the cameras, you can't use the optical zoom while you're shooting video. And I don't know why that is, because I can't understand mechanically what would prevent that. But for whatever reason, most of the point and shoots, you can't zoom in and out. I wanted the ability to do that. So this Lumix was one of the cheapest cameras that had the high D video that would also zoom while you were shooting it. And I have to say, the sluggishness, the ergonomics are a little annoying to me, but the picture quality I think is really good. I was very surprised by what that little camera was able to do. So, No, the Panasonic cameras have uh, come a long way and they're definitely very nice cameras. Yeah, and, and this is not their top of the line. You know, it's probably over a year old, and um, I, I did a lot of research. I, I, I went to CNET. I like them a lot, and they break down their digital cameras, you know, best point-and-shoots on a budget, best point-and-shoots for the hobbyist, best point-and-shoots for the smallest p- possible camera, you know. They break them down into categories, which was helpful because I was able to um, winnow down the ones I looked at. Then I like to read... The reviews on Amazon.com because I, I like to read other real Same here. Yeah. reviews. And um, so did my research. In the end, I was kind of a, in one of those analysis paralysis moments, couldn't quite pull the trigger, but walked into a local store. They had this camera there. I'd been interested in it anywhere. Anyway, it was at the same price as the internet price. So I picked it up and like I say, you know, not anything that's going to transform my life. But overall, the image quality was very good, and I kind of had forgotten how easy it is to shoot with a point-and-shoot, not worrying about 
switching lenses, not shooting in raw and having to convert everything, you know, but just shoot them, send them out as JPEGs, process them in iPhoto real quick. It was, you know, for those purposes, I was very happy with it. You're happy with the movies? Yeah, the movies are pretty good. Now, it's very funny because at the same time that we got that camera, I had a full high-definition video camera kind of fall into my lap. Nice. And so, unfortunately, my sweet little Panasonic Lumix TZ5S, as cute as the video was, could not compare to the video from my Canon HV40. And for those of you who are interested in high-definition video, there are a number of DSLRs that do it now, in my opinion. And, Michael, you and I have talked about it before. You know, none of the DSLRs are as handy or efficient at shooting video as a dedicated camcorder. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. I mean, they do a, I mean, a great job. Well, first of all, you can zoom in and out, right? You can zoom in and out. And it, <laughs> and it will refocus right? and it'll do all that stuff in a wonderful way. Right. So um, this camera uh, was sent to me by Amazon for review, and I have to say, I really loved it. I mean, I think it's a great video camera. I had some quibbles. I will link to the Amazon.com product page where you can read my review on Amazon.com. My name is Scott Sherman, like it is in real life. So wow. it's on the first page of reviews or was recently. And, you know, some of the stuff on the camera I thought felt a little outdated to me. I happen to have had the same model of camera from two years ago. So I know that the viewfinder and the LCD screen are basically unchanged, unupgraded, and I found them very grainy. I was surprised at how kind of middling they were for a camera at that price range. It's probably, an, I think it's an $800 camera street price. It's about $799. Uh, but the HD video couldn't quibble with. I mean, the quality of the video was fantastic. Uh, the sound was good. It had a built-in video light. The stabilization was pretty good. I actually thought that would be better, but it, it was pretty good. Um, and, you know, it runs so smoothly. I mean, it, it was just a pleasure to use. And it has a lot of advanced features that I haven't even started playing with. So, you know, I like a camera that has room to grow. So how does... How, does, uh, how do I get to review a camera for Amazon.com? Now, Michael, if I went into that, it would take 20 minutes. <laughs> so, and, I, and I, I say that as a joke because last time Michael and I talked about it, it took me 30 minutes. Um, but basically, Amazon.com has a program called Amazon.com Vine Reviewers. It's the Vine program. I don't know what the Vine metaphor is for. It's like, like the grapevine. I guess so. Spreading the word. Okay. A vine, does you know. a vine spread the word? Well, you, anyway. I think they should call it the Amazon.com Yenta program. But basically, uh, yes, the they Yenta. invite people who have written a number of reviews on their site of what they determine to be high quality. And I don't know how they determine that or what, me, what constitutes a high number of reviews. Nobody knows. I mean, there's all this conjecture. You can Google Amazon you know, Vine and you'll see nobody really seems to know how they select the reviewers. But basically... You get. I, I got an email saying, hey, would you like to be an Amazon Vine reviewer? They send you free products to review that you get to keep. That's very nice. So 
And so you got to keep a video camera. I got to keep this video camera. I got a nice new keyboard out of it, some headphones out of it, and a bunch of books that I reviewed. Primarily, I think it started mostly as a book reviewing program, and most of the offers for products are books. And I like reviewing books, so that's fun for me. Um, but, you know, there there are some electronics, and um, they are sweet to get. And they they base their offer to you on what you've bought from them because that's how they know you. Maybe mm. also on what you reviewed for them because you can review something you bought somewhere else, you know, on Amazon. Mm. So they know what I like. So, like, I bought one Logitech peripheral and two months later a related Logitech peripheral showed up in my Vine offer. So, they, you know, they, they're very smart. They know everything about you, Amazon. They know everything about me, at least. So, <laughs> you know, they target it. They know I'm a photographer. And so they offered me this video camera, and I loved it. I'm happy. Can't wait to see what comes up this month. Great. So, sorry, I can't tell you. Nobody knows. You can't raise your hand. You can't volunteer. Just write a bunch of uh, good thoughts. So better start writing my reviews, reviews now. Yes. And maybe you'll get lucky. So, uh, and if not, it's good to write reviews anyway. You help your fellow shoppers find the right thing. They really are helpful. I totally live on the Amazon reviews. Yeah. I, I love them. And um, one thing that um, I would have given a bad review to would have been iPhoto. I like iPhoto for simple editing. I enjoy it. It died on my laptop. It would not open. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, it's when corrupt, I tried to I open it, I would just get a message that said, you can't open this. <laughs> Restore from a backup. Ah, well, something got corrupted, obviously. Your library got corrupted. And there was nothing I can tie it to. You know, I didn't drop it. I didn't spill anything on it. Nothing else on the computer seems to have been affected. You know. So did you lose your photos? Well, I Googled my, I Googled my specific error message, and it did turn out that other people had gotten that. And it would appear the only solution is to um, restore from a backup, which I did have. I called Apple and spoke to one of their techs and, you know, tried six ways from Sunday to get them to help me with the problem, uh, short of restoring from backup, because I wanted to see if I didn't have the backup, you know, partly for for the people listening here, you know, is there a way to recover it? And, you know, in the end, we tried one or two things, and the guy just said, you know, you're going to have to restore from that backup. So this is my always my beef with that type of software is that, it takes all of your photos and it hides them away from you so you can't get to them. And so then you're stuck. So when you, so the database gets corrupt. And then your your photos are probably actually on the hard drive if you search enough. Right. I'm sure I, I know I could probably find those photos if you just go through the, you know, the command prompt, go through Unix. and uh, But then you have to pull them out of directories and it won't have names to them. Right. That you can recognize. And you've lost all your organization, your tagging. You're categorizing. Well, no, well, you, some of that might be in the fo- in the in the photos themselves, but but a lot of it won't be. Right. Yeah. Albums that you've made. You know, it's iPhoto slideshows. It's great for all those kind of things, but like you say, it's this proprietary sort of package folder they put it in, and you know something goes a little bit wonky, and yeah, I, you just can't yeah, open I, it. You can't get to a single picture. I stay clear of iPhoto. I mean, it's a cute, nice little program, but I. That's the part that scares me. You got to know your yeah. limitations, and you have to back up. Yeah. Now, are you doing? You you instituted some new backup procedures. I right? did. You wanna, what, do you want to talk about that now? Yeah. Why don't you? We actually haven't talked about this. You, we had put it in the notes for our last show. Never yeah. gotten to it. 
<laughs> we have so much like on our list of things to do, and I guess maybe when we're just out of time, we just stop. God, you, you take know? three months off, and all of a sudden things pile up. But so, um, what's your backup solutions these days? It's a double. It's a. I have a double solution um, because what I had been doing before is keeping uh, large hard drives at home and har- large hard drives at work, and uh, every so often one would go bad or be a problem, and it was just a pain in the neck to deal with. So what I've done is um, I bought this device called the Drobo, which we've talked about once before in a long time ago. Do you remember this device? It's like a rack for hard drives, right? What it is, it's basically, it's this case that holds up to four drives. And it's bring your own drive, right? Yeah, and you, and you buy, well, you can get it from them, but you can also just buy your own drives. Okay. So I, I bought it an empty set, and I got like a $75 rebate. I bought it from Amazon, and it works with FireWire or USB. And... What you do is you, you throw in two drives or three drives. They don't have to be the same size. So in my case, I bought two terabyte – actually, I bought three terabyte drives. And then that gave me 1.8 terabytes of storage. And the other part of it was used for redundancy. And uh, so – and I don't know how it all works. It works very similar to what's called RAID, right. but it's not quite RAID. But the cool part is when I'm ready um, – so when I'm ready – and I need more space, all I need to do is buy another drive, let's say another terabyte drive, pop it in. And it doesn't have to be a terabyte drive. It could be a terabyte and a half, whatever the newest is. And I pop that in, and it will then rebuild it, everything, so I'll have more space. And it will use some of that space also for – so the, the idea is that if any one of the drives dies, you can just pop it out and insert another one and replace it. But it's set up for redundancy. So that, instead of for redundancy, right. And you can actually set it up different ways, right. but I've set it up for redundancy so that if one drive dies, there's a monitor that runs on my desktop. It tells me the status of everything. And so it'll alert me if there's a problem with the drive. But basically, um, if a drive dies, it'll let me know, and then I'll pull out that drive, and then I'll buy a new drive, and I'll insert that drive. And then you have to wait. Sometimes it says you have to wait like even a day to rebuild. So you have to let it just let it rebuild without doing anything. And then once it's rebuilt then you, you've got all your new space and you can, you're back to normal. You don't have to like restore anything. You just right. insert a new drive. It's keeping, and, so, it, and, it's, the, and the idea, it's, the other it's part, splitting sorry. things up and putting it where it wants to and keeping track of the, where the data is, where the data is backed up. And then if you add something or replace something, it rebuilds it. You don't need to know. Right. And so, and so once I'm all filled with, let's say terabyte drives, then I go, oh, wow, I'm filling up my space. Um, so I think with, with four terabyte drives, you'll get 2.7 terabytes. And so um, once I'm filled up there and I need more space, what I do then is pull out one of the terabyte drives and insert, let's say, a two terabyte drive because by that time, they'll be around and cheap. Actually, Hitachi just announced the first one. Um, so there'll be a two terabyte drive one day, and then that'll give me more space. And when I'm ready to replace the next terabyte drive to be a larger drive, I'll pop that one out and pop in the new two terabyte drive and it will rebuild and it will give me new space. So basically when I want to upgrade, I don't have to keep buying external drives. I just buy, buy the internal drives and upgrade as I need to. Yeah, people as love Drobo. And that's going hmm? People love Drobo. Scott Kelby is a big Drobo yeah. evangelist and I know it, some other mm-hmm. tech heads are, are too. It makes a lot of sense uh, for you know, you people a bunch of my nerdy friends, I work for a software company, so they're all like, "Well, why don't you just Use RAID. You know, I so, said, well, because RAID means I'll have to buy like, a server <laughs> that can hold a bunch of hard drives. Right. And so I'm going to have this big, giant computer on my desk acting, you know, and I have to configure it 
you know, and, and besides, this is smarter than RAID because RAID, you have to deal with matching drives and all these other things right. in, that are involved. It's a lot more complicated. Here, it's designed for people like us to just pop a drive out and insert a new one. And then you're doing let, offline let it do storage it, too? Pardon me? Are you doing offline storage? Or and then the other part, I'm, right, the other part, yep. So the other, I've subscribed to a service called mosey.com where um, it, I just, and which now, which originally didn't, but now supports external drives. And so I basically point it at my Drobo and I point it at my other, some of my other folders on my iMac at home. And it, uh, it just automatically starts uploading to Mosey. Um, you know, whatever it is I told it to mirror. It's not designed to like be a backup where if the operating system goes bad, right. you don't, none of these backups are for that. Well, n- none of the I online mean, are. Yeah. Right. And, and well, I suppose, yeah, I could use like time machine or I could have um, done that kind of thing, but I, I, I'm not worried about reinstalling an operating system. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm worried about my data and that's really what I care about when it comes to backups. Yeah. I, I think there, there are a lot of online services now and I think they all, work similarly in that they limit what they'll back up. You know, they'll back up, they'll back up JPEGs and RAWs and music files and all sorts of data files, but no, they won't back up applications or operating systems. Yeah, and that's okay. No, it, um, listen, for, for off-site, it's great, and it's not – for what you're getting, it's really a great value. It's not yeah. cheap, but it was like $10 a month, is it? Which one, Mosey? Mosey, yeah. It's uh, six dollars a month or five dollars a month. The so five dollars a month for one computer. For one computer, and then unlimited. And it's unlimited storage. Now it takes a couple of days for that first backup, right? Oh no, no, it takes. It's taking. It's still backing up really? my data. I, I have about one point four terabytes of data, and it's. Well, and that's including so. The, when did you start? <laughs> a while back, like over two. <laughs> it's weeks, been. Right? It's been like two. It's been like two months or something. Two like months that. and. You don't think it's completed and the full it, backup? I don't think That's so. Rough. No, it's still working on it. That's rough. It's uh, but you know, the thing is, I don't care because I'm in it for the long term. Right. Yeah. Now, how would you get? Let's say you lost all of your data. How would you get it back from Mosey? Would it take you two months to download it? You can download. You can like see your folders, and you can download stuff. Right. Um, but they also have a wave uh, DVD solution where you can get things put on DVDs. I'll, I'll put I, it in the show notes if I can find it. One of the things that I don't like about those services is that you're limited to uh, downloading your files again, which would be a several-week process in your case. Or, but yeah, but I'm not expecting longest that to, I'm not expecting to use the download. I'm just saying you know, it would service. be a long time. Oh, yeah. Even DVDs would be a long time because that would be a hell yeah. of a lot of DVDs, right? There is a service yeah. that will actually – um, there's one service that you can send them a hard drive and they'll download it to the hard drive. Again, in your case, they couldn't because you're talking multiple terabytes, but for someone with, you know, a 500 megabyte or a one terabyte. Oh, I mean, drive, I could send them a Drobo or something. I mean, it'd yeah. be nice. So which service? Uh, I don't know. And you... then there's another one that will, you know, you could pay like $10 a DVD or you could pay something like $200 for, I, I, it was something like a 500 megabyte hard drive. So it was more expensive than if you just bought that off the shelf, but it would come with all of your data FedEx to you the next day, which I thought was a very appealing way. Yeah, well, maybe maybe I'll switch. You never know. 
Well, if but, this um, one ever finishes, you could switch. But but the thing is, no, I mean, the thing is, uh, this is just an insurance policy. I mean, the Drobo would have to have a complete, utter failure. Right. And it's not to say I'm not going to copy things onto my other external drives that I keep at work. I will be still doing that. So, and, you I know, the, the, in- the point of off-site storage is also, you know, your building could burn down, too. So Exactly. And in case there's an ultra catastrophe that uh, – It could be an electromagnetic pulse. That's right. From from Those the aliens. The MPs. The robots the as they start to take That's over right. us. Well, no, the I guess the robots wouldn't employ an EMP pulse against us because that would fry robots? them too. The robots? Yeah. What robots? The the robots who will one day take over the world. Oh, from Terminator. Because we're making them too smart. That's a separate show. Yes. Yeah, you know, they just announced last week there was some big breakthrough in robotics. I forget what it was, but the first robot that, you know, could really be thought of as uh, thinking. And in the same week, there was a news article about robots that had killed people. But that's off the point. Well, well speaking of robots, <laughs> I'm going to talk about another announcement that was made. Yes. Called um, from Sony. It's called the Party Shot Personal Photographer. And this is a little uh, cradle that you put a camera. It only holds two models right now. Uh, from of Sony. Sony cameras. Of Sony cameras. Point and shoots? Point and shoots, okay. yep. Uh, it's called the WX1 and TX1. Those are the two models. We'll talk about that in a second. But these, uh, but this is just like a little sort of like spaceship-looking thing. Talking about aliens, and, it, and it's mountable on a tripod, and you mount the camera on it, and it can pan around, and it could tilt as well, up and down. Right. And so basically, you set it up at let's say a party, and it will go and look around for people to photograph. And if it sees faces and smiles, it will. Photograph them automatically. But it can't move. It rotates. Okay, so it's on a table and it can spin. So it's on a, a table or it's on a um, on, or it's on a tripod. Okay. And you place it someplace where people will be and it will take people's photographs. It will look for people and it will photograph it all on its own using its really smart robotic mind. All right. What do you think? Those, those are not <laughs> the kind of shots I want to do at a party, but okay. It's like I – it's just – who knows? And it runs on batteries or it runs on uh, AC current. But uh, anyway, it sounds interesting. And the other thing, that the two cameras that they're introducing with that are pretty notable as well because they're the first to use backlit CMOS sensors. Okay. And supposedly that doubles the sensitivity of the standard CMOS sensors. So they're hopefully better high ISO cameras, which are also suitable for parties. So You know, this is the knows? kind of thing... It's one hundred and forty nine dollars. Mm-hmm. It's um, cute. It looks stylish. I really wonder if anybody will ever use this. Under what circumstance would you want to put a camera in one place and let it automatically spin around and snap pictures of people at random? Well, maybe maybe you might do it at a wedding where you. Um, are having a certain spot where you know people are going to come to, say, sign the book or something like that. And so as they come in or something, you can get photos of people. Okay. For example. I don't know. I'm just you know, coming up with yeah. ideas. Of like you know, But you have a place where you know people are going to be, so you just sort of catch them at, this, at, a, at that point. You know, that'd be cute to actually put it on, um, you know, at, at a wedding, like as the centerpiece of every table, you have one. <laughs> that'd be that funny, would be wouldn't it? That'd be a cute thing. That, <laughs> you know what? Photos. There's a business in that. You buy... You know, 20 of them, and then you rent them out to weddings. 
and then throughout right. the dinner, part it of your package. And takes pictures at random. That would be hysterical. And then really, and really annoy everybody the whole night long. And you know, you then somehow, you know, before the night is over, everybody gets a CD with all the images from their table. No, no. If you're the photographer, that's part of the package. Well, and that's then, what I'm saying, right? And then uh, you sell the photos later. Yeah, well, or you know, you sell it to the. To, 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 you, know, you sell it to the customer beforehand. Part of the price is that you give out the, you know, whatever pictures were taken at that table because they have now. Have you ever been to a wedding where they have those little five dollar plastic cameras on the tables? Well, I mean, my, at my wedding, we put out all those little film cameras. Little disposables, those little, I mean. Yeah, little yeah. disposables. We put that all over the place, and those those are the only photos we had at our wedding. Well, pretty much, this this could replace the disposable, though a creepy. Yeah. Flying saucer-looking Sony <laughs> party shot. Well, you know, it's one of those new technologies, and we'll see where it goes. Well, you know, it's interesting because the Sonys can tell if you're smiling. They can tell if you blink, right? Mm-hmm. So they're finding a good use for that. Well, let's take a break, and then we'll get into some more good, crave-worthy digital cameras, okay? All right. right. So what else has caught your eye? Well, Nikon announced some new toys and probably one of the most notable ones, well, one they described as groundbreaking, which... uh, The the groundbreaking one was a jackhammer with a built-in camera. That's right. See, that's funny. (laughs) Ground... It breaks ground okay. Okay. and it takes photos. All right. Well, the groundbreaking one was that one, the S one thousand PJ. That's right, right. The PJ, the pajama camera. I thought that was very interesting. What is it? So it's a twelve megapixel camera with a twenty-four to one twenty one forty zoom, I believe. And the big deal is that it has a projector in it, and it goes up to a uh, distance of two meters away, and it does what's called a throw of forty inches. So it makes a 40-inch image on the wall. And you need a dark room for it to work. And uh, so the big question a lot of people are saying, is this going to be a good thing? Is this going to be useful? Or is this, are we going to start seeing this everywhere, these little projectors? I'm sure the company that has designed them is probably wishing that everyone will want them. And uh, so the question is, what do you think? Do you think projectors good idea in a camera? Well, I'll tell you something. It's very interesting. I've heard rumors before about projectors showing up in consumer devices, but not cameras. I've heard them rumored as new iterations of various MP3 players have come out. Now, if you have an iPod or something like a Zoom that plays, you know, a pretty nice video image, I see sense in having a projector because you might want to throw that up on a wall, you know, and let more than one people watch it. Or a lot of times on your MP3 player, especially if it's an iPhone, an iPod, people carry their photos with them, right? You show them off to people. So a projector in one of those would be, I think, very useful. I'd love to see a, pro- a little projector in my laptop. Yeah, that would be a great place you know? because you can just, oh, yeah. Just yesterday, um, I had a PTA meeting, believe it or not, where I did a presentation. And everyone was looking at my 15-inch laptop screen. Screen. The laptop has the built-in camera. I was thinking, if you could fit the projector in a camera, why not put it in the lid of my 
laptop because I often have to show what's on my laptop screen to groups of people. Now, sure, that makes in a camera, total sense. I, I, I'm not feeling the love because in the, you know, basically the, the photos on your camera are the photos that you've just taken. You know, you haven't processed them yet. There's a bunch of clunkers and stinkers in there that you haven't edited out. So there's not that many times when I really have a burning need to show a lot of people the pictures on my camera. Well, you see, I've met a lot of people who they seem to they don't take a whole lot of photos like like we might. And they keep their camera and that holds like all their photos. Right. Like they don't like dump it off their card and clear it off. They keep their favorite photos on their camera. Right. They might dump it off on the computer, but they keep their favorite ones on their camera. Right. So that, because when they have the camera with them, they can use that to show. Yeah, right. You know, show uh, yeah, show I get off that. their photos. I get that. I also, you know, I, I mean, I could imagine that if you, you could have an SD card of your favorite pictures and just put that one in for projection purposes when you wanted to share them, you know? Sure. And, you know, I mean, I imagine until it hits the laptops and such. You know, it could be useful as for little presentations to have a little, bring a little, like little slides and, you know, put them on a card and, uh, and just show it off as a little sales type thing. Yeah. There, there, there are at least two other consumer devices I can think of, you know, your MP3 players, especially if they're also a photo viewer, video viewer, if they're a phone, which could I possibly be speaking of? I'd love to see a projector in laptops. I'd love to see a projector cameras. It's a little bit more of a stretch, but you know, why not? I'm glad they're starting with something that they could well, do. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I expect that we're going to be seeing these little projectors all over the place and uh, they're going to, you know, be a very common thing. And do you, what was the cost of that? Was that three ninety nine list? Do you remember? Oh gosh. I'll, I'll look it up remember. while you talk. So it, it wasn't, the, it was, you know, it's a, I don't think it's a point and shoot camera with pretty, um, standard specs nothing too crazy going on and it wasn't you know it wasn't very high price so why not yeah it was something like four hundred dollars maybe more anyway the other uh one that nikon announced was a camera called an s70 which has a three and a half inch multi-touch oled screen and the oled screen provides a a better image quality and also a better viewing angle i have, have have you seen one of these screens? I haven't yet. I have. They are luscious. They're going to be on the new Zoom. Oh, are they really? Yes, they are beautiful. They are much nicer than um, LCD screens. They are, uh, or LED for that matter. They are more saturated. The colors are deeper, a, a, a wider dynamic range of colors. They're sexy. And the, um, the touchscreen in the back is going to have... It's multi-touch, so it's, you're going to be able to pinch zoom and pull out to zoom out, just like an iPod, or not an iPod, or iPod Touch, or an iPhone. And it's also going to have a, a touch focus, which is like, I guess the new iPhone has that as well, where you just touch a point and it will start focusing on that spot, which I think is pretty cool. And it has a touch shutter, because there are no buttons on the back. It has a touch shutter. Again, it's like an, like an iPhone. And I... I remember you telling me that you're not into that. <laughs> I, I, I like the idea of the big viewing screen. I like the idea that you touch to focus. It's very intuitive. It's easier than cycling through focus points um, with a dial. Uh, my experience with the iPhone, though, is that when you actually try to take a picture by pressing the back of a screen, you are 
invariably by design moving your camera because if you hold a traditional camera you know with your thumb on the bottom of it and pressing the shutter with your index finger that thumb is providing a counterforce or right? steadying the camera so as you press down with your index finger you can still hold it steady when you have to press a camera forward since you're not holding it in front there's no opposing force my experience with the iPod is you're getting camera movement in every picture that's unwanted that's causing blur so i don't see how they'll avoid that but if they can it, it's a great design yeah i mean the touch shutters i know like at least on the iphone that it works where where you uh you pull your finger off the camera versus pushing it and so that how that to some degree helps alleviate the shake but i definitely understand i mean i i usually brace my iphone against something when i when i want to get a nice photo right just just to reduce as much handshake as possible right and most people don't know that the iphone shutter actually releases when you remove your finger from it you know you, you your natural instinct is you press down to take the photo yeah. And, oh, yeah. Most people don't realize it at all. I have to. I explain to people and they go, "Oh, you know." And suddenly their photos like get a lot better because they're not pushing the camera. Right. But even so, even taking your finger off, you're getting a little bit of wiggle in it. I, I don't see how they oh. prevent that. I looked it up. Oh, I don't. The, do, I don't. The, yeah. the, uh, the the first camera, the one with the projector, the S1000 PJ, is on Amazon for pre-order for four twenty nine. 95 that looks like the list price and sometimes for pre-orders they're at list price when they come out they come down a little bit so that's still at 430 basically 430 american and also at list price is this one with the beautiful what i imagine is going to be a beautiful three and a half inch oel oled uh organic light emitting diode i think that is touch screen that is three ninety nine, so a little bit less expensive. Also, looks like at this point that's full list. Yeah, so those prices will come down. But all this technology is great. I mean, a projector, you know, touch screens with multi-touch OLED instead of an LCD screen. I mean, they're doing some some cool stuff. They're trying to be innovative. I think I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm glad they're not actually doing little spinning lazy Susans that take your picture like <laughs> Sony because I think that's silly. <laughs> but I think this technology, you know, is it's all really good. Like, you know, the only frustrating thing is I immediately go to I want the camera with the three and a half inch touchscreen and the projector. Why can't I have them both in one camera? You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and Nikon also – there was another model that Nikon came out with that was like a really fast point and shoot. Right. So like they had one that's fast. They have one that has the cool – Touchscreen. They have one that has this, and then Sony. Well, Sony actually is working on their image quality because they have that new that new uh, sensor. Right. So you know, I'm hoping that's the kind of stuff I really want to see right. is is actually things that address image quality because I think as a lot of us serious amateur people are, we want to have like a really high quality tiny camera, and those aren't there aren't that many of those around. I don't feel like. Nikon up until now has really been particularly distinguished in the point and shoot category. You know, I think that's a category that Canon has excelled in. Oh, yeah. I think the definitely. Panasonic Lumixes in general get a lot of very high reviews with a lot of cutting edge features. 
um, even the Sony's in some of the newer, sexier technology and styling, they've done well. Nikon, like in the point and shoots, I can't think of the last time they've had sort of a defining, popular, well-reviewed point and shoot. So I'm glad to see they're doing more in that category. I think it's just it's gonna it's hard for them to compete in this market. Right. I mean, they're not as big as Canon, who has technology and all over the place. Right. And I guess make a lot of their own stuff. Not all of it, maybe, but a lot of it. And so, and I believe with Nikon, they really, they farm out a lot of mm-hmm. it. They have other companies that make a lot of these things for them. Right. right. Which may be why you haven't seen them really as a, as a big player in the point and shoot space. But these two cameras, especially, like you say, there was at least one other um, that they just came out with. But these two have gotten press have some breakthrough technology. And I feel like they're stepping up their game in the space, which is good for everyone. I think they're trying to be hip. And with both of these genuinely useful, you know, the the Sony has had touchscreens before. It's not like a touchscreen camera is a new idea. Yeah. Nikon has touchscreens as well. So, but you know, it's a bigger screen. It's the OLED um, the projector camera, the 1000 PJ, you know, these are new implementations of the technology. So it's nice to see them a little more cutting edge. So the, the next things that they uh, introduced were two digital SLR cameras, ah, two DSLRs. The sweet which stuff. Which of course is what, what we've been, what I've been waiting for. Um, one of them, well, one of them is not the one I've been waiting for. That's a Nikon D3000. And in the last uh, couple months that we were off, we had the uh, D5000 that came out. Um, the D3000, basically, it's a $600, uh, low, it's their low-end camera that replaces the D40. And so, basically, it's now, it's very close to like what the D60 was with some added bits. So, it's a 10-megapixel camera with 11-point autofocus and three frames per second, which is a little faster than it was before. And they've got the it adds the dust reduction, which the D forty didn't have. It adds grid lines, um, and so it's just and it has a new thing called guide mode. So I guess it's like having your manual in your camera, and when you read about something, you can then go right then to that part where you can configure that thing. So that you know that might be helpful to have more information in your camera about your camera. I'm a little bit skeptical about who's going to read their manual on their three inch LCD. I don't but know. Okay. I don't know. But you sure, know, I, but but I mean, they've they've had a good question. They have a good um, at least I know I've from what I've used in the Nikon. Yeah, it's like the operating system when you have a, there's a little question mark and you can learn about the feature and it. it does the Canon have that kind of stuff where you want a, like a more detailed explanation about a certain feature? But so while you're configuring it, not that I can think of. No, no. I mean, I, I think it's something you would only see. On the entry level. Oh, no, no. Like the D300 has it, the D90. They'll have, they'll have detailed descriptions of, of each feature. So if you and go so you to can, something like that. So you can so if you say, what does this feature says, mean? Yeah, it'll, it'll explain to some degree what it is. Right. Not so much aperture priority, but like this flash option or this whatever. It tells you like what it does. And I, I got no problem with it. And so I imagine what I'm getting at, I, I think this is probably a more detailed version of that. I don't know until I actually see it. But anyway, the camera I really care about is the Nikon D300S. And I care about it because I haven't upgraded my camera 
since the D. I have st- I'm still using the D200, and I sort of skipped the D300. So how old is how I, old is that camera? Your camera? Um, 2006. 2006. So I've so I've had it for three so years. So you've held now. off. I've but held not off. Not any longer. But no, I'm going to be ordering. I've actually got it on order from Amazon.com. I ordered the day it was announced, and uh, they told me it was going to come out September 15th. Okay, is when I would get it. And I just got an email yesterday saying it's the day has been moved up to August 31st. Oh, sweet! So uh, it's going to come sooner, which is great news. Sweet. Are you? Are you like? Is the heart palpitating? No, not so much. I mean, I've used the D300. I borrowed one from Nikon a while back, and I loved it. Um, you know, this is just a refresh of the D300. A lot of people were very disappointed. They were hoping for a D400. I mean, it doesn't really matter what you call it, but I think people were expecting a high megapixel sensor and higher ISO performance. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they were hoping for. And I think while on paper it says it's the same sensor as a D300, we know that Nikon has been making multiple iterations of their sensor. Right. So you have, you've had the D300, and then you had the D90, which improved on that. Everyone knows that they improved on that sensor. And then the D5000 actually improved on it again. So and that's a consumer-grade camera, and, but they're, you know, they're reusing these sensors, and they're making them better. And so we're expecting it's going to be as good or better than the, the, what was, what's on the D5000. So it'll be somewhat better. But um, it's supposed to also have improved autofocus. It's uh, it has a hundred percent viewfinder coverage, which is an improvement over I think it was ninety five or something right. last time. So it's nice to be able to see what you see in your viewfinder is exactly what you get on your frame, which is not typical. Um, it, which is not typical. Um, I think they're trying to actually distinguish this camera as more of a pro level of a small sensor camera. Right. The the APS dash C. It adds a virtual horizon in live view, which is you see in the D700 and some of the other professional cameras. So the idea is that it looks sort of like a little airplane sensor. When you're in live view, you can see um, if, when you tilt your camera, if you're tilted left and right, um, to t- so, it's, so, you have, so your horizon is straight. What it doesn't have, which would be nice, is if you're tilting forward and back, if you have that part mm-hmm. where you can see if you're level that way. But it doesn't have that. Does anything? No, okay. uh, well, a um, a spirit level okay. does, but no, no, <laughs> wanna... their higher end cameras don't do. Okay. No, but yeah, for ten bucks, they buy a little right. spirit level that little cube, or, or you don't drink as much, Michael, and you don't have to worry about tilting back <laughs> all the time. Uh, you no, no, you don't have straight. to drink to be off kilter. <laughs> but um, the other, I guess, the other parlor parlor trick is the uh, it, that it does seven twenty p. Uh, high def video capture and does it focus and it does it focuses while it can focus while it's capturing okay. where i guess i don't know how it works but it, i guess it follows the target right. you kind of tell it where to what the target is and it follows that using the 51 points of focusing so that's it new. has a stereo mic input i'm sorry you had a question that's new right that's a new feature right. yeah i mean other I cameras think, have shot hd dslrs but they couldn't Adjust the focus while yeah. you're shooting. I'm not expecting high performance here. <laughs> and it's also 720, which is really half high D. Yeah. It's not full HD. No. It's, it's the it's, same high definition, quote unquote, that the $220 Panasonic I was talking about, Doug. Exactly. Um, 
And yeah, I think they're. Th- it has something called a rolling shutter, which is not as good as the real shutter in your in your uh, camera, right. your camcorder. And you can get some sort of Jello effect with these with this. And I don't know what it's going to be like here, but and for those, supposedly they've. For those, if hmm? you, it's so funny because these cameras are like they're not full camcorders; they're limited in what they can do. So you can't imagine that the serious videographers going to buy them for video, but yet at the same time, they're putting in features that would appear for that would appeal. I'm sorry, appeal towards a more serious videographer like the stereo mic input. Well, yeah, I think that it will have it'll be able to you'll be able to do some things with it and what you have to do is learn what its strengths right. are and what its weaknesses are and work towards the strengths right. and uh and you know on a tripod is probably just great yeah <laughs> but it's like when you're panning and doing certain things you'll see the weaknesses appear does it have a projector that's what i'm wondering <laughs> it does, does it have a three and a half inch multi-touch screen no it does have a this three inch screen three and high resolution those screens are beautiful yeah. on the Nikons. Yeah, and, and it has some other tricks where you can do in-camera video editing where you can trim the, the ends off your video. So you can write in the camera and get rid of the extra bits. You can modify color and tone. The other cool features it has is that it has dual memory, memory slots. So it has a compact flash card slot like usual, but it also adds an SD card slot. And you can do things like, you know, you can program it so that it, Back, it mirrors everything on both each card. It does a backup, or you can say um, as an overflow. Or the other cool thing is that you can say this card shoots photos and this one shoots videos. Okay. So pretty configurable. Yeah, or I'd you call can just use program. whatever card you have and it saves you some money. Yeah, and that's the other thing, right? So whatever, whatever you your last camera, yeah, then you're covered. And the other thing is that you know it might be spelling that uh, CF cards might be uh, on their way out and. The next iterations will probably see SD cards. It does look like SD cards are certainly winning the uh, portable storage war against compact yeah. flash. I mean, you're seeing even your higher-end cameras come out with SD cards, and nothing is coming out with compact flash cards other than your high-end DSLRs. It's not like they're showing up in any other consumer electronics, you know? So it'll be interesting to see if... This, the CF cards keep going or the SD cards. I mean, well, the SD cards already have standards where I think there's some sort of terabyte. Is it terabyte? No, that seems impossible. Yeah, some or very, or maybe it's 100 gigabytes or 200 gigabytes. Very large SD cards. Really? Um, yeah. And so there, there are specs out for these already. So, And I haven't seen anything like that with the compact flash cards. Well, but the, who knows? If, if you had a terabyte SD card, you could back up your camera to Mosey in a week or two. <laughs> at, at best, if you had a very, it's just like day. I should just like send them my cards, my, my flash yeah, cards. Here, just back. That, that's that's the best offsite. Mail them the mail cards. They'll keep it in, in a lockbox. <laughs> there you go. That's right. Who needs all this internet stuff that the kids <laughs> use these days? It's true. Well, you know, we, but, um, we were going to try to keep today's show to just about an hour. We're almost there. We're doing okay. We're almost we're there. We're almost there because we're. we're and let me just let me just mention one other feature about this uh, camera. And yet it. another feature. It also. Slices and dices. It's a dessert <laughs> and a floor wax. Well, one of the things I like is that it, it goes up from six frames per second to seven frames per second. It's a little bit With, faster, shot to shot. It's a little bit faster. So seven frames per second, not too shabby. And uh, it goes up to eight with the, uh, with the grip and the, 
and a certain battery. Mm-hmm. Nice. And uh, pardon? It's a great camera. You're going to love it. And we can't wait to hear about it. Yep. I'll talk all about it all the time. And we'll talk about other things too. We're, we were going, you know, we decided, um, I was going to say we decided purposefully, but I don't know how else one would decide if not on purpose. But we, we were purposeful in not talking at the beginning of the show about where we've been and why there's been a hiatus on the show because it's boring. And this way, anybody who wanted to hear about digital photography already heard about it. They don't have to hear about all our personal uh, trials and tribulations. Um, but now we're at the end of the show and we don't have much time left. So let's not say much. Let's say we've been away. We were distracted and life happened as it does. Um, but we never intended to stop forever. And we're back now. We'll be out on a more regular schedule coming up. We have a lot to talk about. We hope to get some good guests on soon. And um, we are probably going to scale back on some of the sort of ancillary things that were sapping a lot of our energy, like the Twittering and the Facebooking and the blogging. You know, it just became so overwhelming that it was hard to get the show out regularly. So we'll probably be scaling some of that back down. But uh, we, we, we look forward to talking in the future. we got a lot to say, right? Oh, yeah. I still am very passionate about the photography part, so I'm going to keep doing and it. And I'm still cranky and have a lot to complain about. Oh, yeah. You love the complaint. God knows what Amazon will send me next. Maybe it'll be a 300S, and we'll both have one. Maybe I'll go over or to maybe... the – I could go over to the Nikon side, Michael. No, no. I, I, you say I, that every time. I could be But then, the, you know, then what will happen is the 60D will come out, and you're going to go, wow, this is awesome. You know? I don't know. I, I've been selling out for years, but nobody's been buying. So <laughs> I, I could be had for the oh. price – if anybody from Nikon, I guess, or Amazon Vine is listening, I could be had for the price of a D300S. It's the, nice. You know, the S stands for sweet because it's – My sweet last car. time – the last time was uh, that where I was going to sell out to Canon was the Mark uh, – Oh, yeah. The 5D Mark II. Right. That was a – But uh, no one ever gave me one of those. That was a $3,000 camera, right? I still once in a while think about saying, well, you know, I should probably get a Canon so I can have a Canon and an Icon. Then I'll always have like both camps, you know. Keep playing the lottery, buddy. But uh, but yeah, this money is a little detail that you know gets in the way. Yeah, strange. Apparently, for for a lot of people these days, I hear, I hear there's some sort of economic slowdown going on. What is this nonsense? Which is which is what why at least people are speculating that why the D three hundred was only refreshed. Instead of like a whole new model, but yet I read um, that. Well, I mean, they're they're starting to post like how Nikon is losing money, and um, although it doesn't sound like they're losing tons of money, I mean, it's, it's a lot of money from our point of view. But they're a pretty huge company. Well, reading up, you know, getting ready for this show, looking at some of the recent news, um, according to everything I read, the point and shoot market has slowed down, but DSLRs have continued to grow. In Good. sales. So there's always a high end, I guess. Well, I mean, there's DSLR. I mean, people want to take better, have better photographs, so they're going to buy DSLRs. And look at the both of us. They, we just recently bought point and shoots, and we were so spoiled by DSLRs that, you know, I, no matter how good they were or weren't, they still felt wanting after you've shot with a DSLR. 
And I expect that I'll buy something like a um, one of those micro four thirds systems eventually. That that that's a topic for another show. It is, and but that's something that I, I might do one day. I want small and the quality. Uh, there there are some good models coming out. The models now still I think are compromises, but yeah. Oh, well, it's just a baby. It's in its infancy. Right. Right. It'll soon be more compelling. I don't know that it'll ever be. Well, we could talk about it another yeah. time. That the, 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 the offerings are pretty interesting. We should talk about them. All right. Well, that's a topic for another day. But for now, I'm so glad we had this time together. I'm glad we're back. Yes. Great to be and here. And we'll talk again soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.